Good afternoon and welcome back to another um, segment of Expansion of Consciousness. I'm your host, Jason Medlock. Um, we have a fabulous guest, um, a author, um, a gallery uh, owner, um, uh, you know, just a uniquely intuitive individual, uh, Mrs. Dana um, Sordano. And the interesting thing about this is we know that we all have these different uh, lives that we're living while we're incarnated here on earth. But there is a reality to the construct that we're living in. You know, so we have people who are progressives in business who are uh, living their lives uh, to the fullest, but they all use some sort of intuitive ability. And Dana is here to talk to us about that. Dana is the owner um, resident artist and intuitive at Ubuntu Fish Gallery in Stewart, Florida, a published author, co-founder of Phenom Publishing, and a co-founder and chief officer of Curriculum Plus Content at finduniquelyyou.com. After picking up a paintbrush for the first time in 2015 since her childhood, uh, in June 2017, she decided to retire from a 23-year career in education in order to fully embrace an artist's life and to model her daughter the importance of listening to your soul's purpose, your bliss, and a number of other things. Dana spent two years honing in her craft as well as developing her intuition and opened Ubuntu Fish Gallery in September 2019, two years after she took her leap of faith from her traditional education experiencing for herself and offering for others more creative and spiritual uh, uh, form of personal growth and development at Ubuntu Fish Gallery. Dana has never felt more alive and has made it her mission to help others do the same. During Dana's time as owner, resident and artist, and intuitive at Ubuntu Fish Gallery, she figured out how to merge her greatest strengths, her intuition, her leadership skills, her educational experiences, and her artistic ability, and currently guides people to lead more empowered lives through their intuitive guidance sessions, private groups, and authored books. The 10 Recommandments. The 10 Recommandments. That's a topic. I mean, I'm sorry, that's the title of Dana's book. And I was like, wow, that was a super title. Um, but, but it's for personal empowerment. Uh, beyond the 10. Decoding the woo and Vita finds her own crown on that very subject matter. So Dana's also an accomplished author. And Dana's recently partnered up with Angela DeMarco to create Phenom Publishing uh, and finduniquelyyou.com. We mentioned that earlier. But I'm, what a what a multifaceted, multi-talented, intuitive author, uh, owner of a publishing uh, company. Um, without any further ado, I'm going to bring in Miss Dana Sardano. Um, Dana, I have lit your profile up. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird hearing it from somebody else's mouth. You know, just the other day, I had somebody, um, what well, it doesn't matter, but it was about some sort of award, and they were interviewing me and they were asking me all these questions. And I was hearing the things that I do out of my own mouth. And I was like, holy crap, when you do what you love, you're not even paying attention. And then when you go back and you look at it, you're like, wow, man, 
getting stuff done around here. Getting stuff done. And, you know, we could, uh, this is typical, we could say, well, tell us how you started. And and and, and we're, we're all off into a lot of different things. But let's get to it because there are a lot of different topics that you can um, that you can talk about. Give us a little bit, though, on the way you moved in this direction. You know, there is a lot. When I was watching your intro, uh -huh. not, not your intro, the prior, the what's sure, it called? Sure, sure, sure. The 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 uh, the, the the show uh, intro. Yeah, the show intro. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, we could talk about that. We could talk, like I could talk yeah. about all of it, but I'm gonna do my best, and you may have to reel me in. I'm gonna do my best to focus, but. <laughs> How am I, how is a 25 year veteran educator? And I didn't teach art. I taught English and history. I was a director of student development. I, I, um, you know, suspended kids and made sure kids that who needed accommodations got accommodations. Like I did nothing like I'm doing now. So the question is, how am I sitting here doing all these things? Exactly. <laughs> I'll be honest. I just, I cleared out without even realizing I was not on an intentional spiritual journey by any mm -hmm. means. But naturally, because I was tired of living a life that was um, unfulfilling, I started cutting out the crap, cutting out the excess, you know, ending toxic relationships little by little, not even realizing, just knowing they made me unhappy and they couldn't exist anymore. Sure. And the more I did that, the more opportunities that served me came my way. And I had an opportunity one Friday night um, to go with the one, one of those painting with a twist classes you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we paint, you drink wine with a bunch of ladies and like you paint a palm tree. I right. don't know if you ever heard anything like this, but I asked my husband if he wanted to go, this was in 2015. And he laughed at me and was like, no, I'm not hanging out with a bunch of women drinking wine, but <laughs> he's like, I'll take you to Michael's. I'll buy anything you want and we'll go. And so we did that. We went home at the dining room table. I was like, I'm going to paint you an elephant. Mm. And that was January, 2015. I painted him this elephant and something, he was like, oh my God, I think you're good. I'm like, oh my God, I think so too. And something awoke inside of me and I've been following my nudges and my creativity ever since. And it's just brought me from thing to think, you know, art festival to leaving my job to getting paid, you know, to do paintings, not necessarily in that order to meeting really cool and fabulous people like mediums and Reiki healers to my own tuition opening up to me, you know, meeting with an old college friend and creating this, this educational platform and this publishing company being in the gallery. Like I'm just spitting all this stuff at you, but like, yes. I just said yes to my creativity and here we are. So obviously uh, you achieved um, a, a level of joy, a level of peace and freedom. Once you made that decision, yep. how'd you do that? How did I do that? Yes. You what, know, what what did you use? What 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 modality or what what's your secret um, to achieving that level of peace, joy, and freedom? Because you were, like you said, a career educator. Yeah. And yeah. you moved. You shifted um, so quickly. We're going to get into all the other things, but how did how were you able to move yourself out from that space? Um, what did you do? You know. I learned a lot. I'm a trial and error person. Like, yes. I'm not like, oh, you know, let's read this book or meanwhile, I'm writing books like nobody's business, but yet I won't read. <laughs> That's for a different conversation. But I, I'm trial and error. And all and what I learned through all of this, I could give you all these different modalities, but I learned a very valuable thing. I actually wrote about it, um, that we are all born with an emotional guidance system. 
and a physical guidance system. Like our senses are allowing us to decide what's good for us and what's not, what serves us and what doesn't. So I started to realize that when things feel good, this is so simple and, and you're almost good, you're probably going to make fun of me. When things feel good, we should do more of that. And when things feel icky, we should do less of that. And our emotions are telling us what direction to go in. And mm -hmm. when I started doing more things that felt good and really become, um, beginning to recognize the icky stuff, the why it was icky, because then it goes back to childhood trauma. It even goes back to past life trauma. It goes back to these things and readjusting my conditioning and my belief system and my behavioral patterns, then I could do more things that feel good. That's really general, mm -hmm. but that's really the core of it. Right, right. And it's the core of anyone who um, is able to move themselves from a, let's say, from doing something for that had they been doing for so long, which is habit forming, you have to dig deep and move into an area uh, of your life, of your psyche to unlearn things, to create new habits, to uncover pain, yeah. um, to then bring it, to, bring it forth and to commit to healing to move forward. So I know that um, a lot of things I just said, I know you're like, you know what, we can dive into that right now. But you did. You went from a teacher to an artist gallery owner to an author uh, yeah. to a co-founder of a publishing company. We we know that, you know, it's an incredible story. Um, and like you said, there were some things that happened in my there were some things that happened in my past, um, you know, but how did you turn whatever dysfunction you were dealing with in your background into a personal success story? Nothing happens overnight. It yeah. all happens in layers, right? So I think, you know, in the spiritual community, people throw terms around like, you know, dark night of the soul and stuff like that. And the reality is, is when our life experiences become so uncomfortable that we have to make a change, that's the dark night of the soul. But it doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm 400 pounds and I'm smoking every day and I'm, you know, doing drugs and living a miserable life. And then tomorrow I'm going to go run the marathon. You know, I'm going to be better. It doesn't work that way. It works like you do, you show up for yourself one day and say, you know what? I'm not going to put up with this anymore, whatever the this may be. Setting I, intentions. Setting intentions. But, but, you know, a lot of people think, and this is, I, again, I'm good. I keep referring to the books, but the follow-up to 10 Recommandments is Decoding the Woo-Woo. And it's about my irritation about some of the spiritual terminologies or, you know, what people think they understand and they don't. Mm -hmm. And for example, you set an intention. So you, you decide, right? So first thing you do, you decide, I am going to be in a happy, healthy relationship. Right. But a lot of people stop there and they're like, they'll, they'll say, oh, I want my perfect significant other to look like X, Y, and Z. And they stop there. But people forget sometimes. Oh, look at that. Yeah. We, you know, you started <laughs> right? talking about it early. And I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and put this on. Uh, uh, beyond the 10, decoding the woo-woo. Yep. And you were just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but there's action. There's action. People also talk about... Um, you know, uh, like attracts like, or the law of attraction, you have to feel love to be loved. But, but, but 
there's another step to that. You have to do things in your own life. It's again, it's action to create that feeling of love. Can can I give you just an example? Because absolutely, no, no, broad. no, absolutely. That's why you're here. I want you here. I want you talking. Okay. Oh my God, you're like the the the, <laughs> the man of my dreams. Yes. Just talk to me, Dana. Just keep talking. <laughs> okay. So so I'll just give you an example. So yes. I'm going to be 52 in June. So okay. in my entire 30s, I was single. And now, you know, from early 30s to late 30s, my my friends were getting married and doing their thing. And I was couldn't figure out. I thought I had a lot to offer. You know, I I, I, I uh, followed all the rules. I went to school. I got a degree. I got a good job. I lived in a good place. You know, like I did all those things. I try to keep myself relatively attractive. I worked out. I did all these things. And I'm like, why can't I meet a decent guy? And what I was noticing was all I wanted was just to be in a relationship, a loving relationship in uh, that the, with peace and where we got along, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and have a home and have children and have all that's all I wanted. But instead I was meeting what I thought at the time was jerk after jerk after jerk. But the reality <laughs> was I was meeting guys that were aligned with my dysfunction, aligned with my poor self-image, aligned with all that. And I was just meeting one after another. So this is an example of how I think the law of attraction works. All I wanted was unconditional love. All I wanted was a home. And all I wanted was just to be at peace. So I'm going out with jerk after jerk after jerk. So somewhere in my mid to late 30s, I lived in a condo by the beach that I wasn't allowed to have animals. And I got a Shih Tzu. Her name was Mia. And I got her and I snuck her in my condo for about a year. I'm making the story way too long. Long and the short is... I got the, the letter that I couldn't have the dog there and I had a choice to give up the dog or to do something about it and keep the dog. So I wound up selling my condo, buying a house in the same neighborhood because I love the neighborhood mm -hmm. and creating a home for me and Princess Mia. So I, in that time, not even realizing what I was doing, I shifted from the loneliness and desperation of why can't I meet a decent guy? And I shifted to landscaping and, and, and curtain shopping and painting and burn and creating this home for me and my dog. And I wound up, that was the spring of 2008. By August, 2009, I had my first daughter. By January, 2011, I had my second daughter and I'm with my husband. My husband came after just to be clear, <laughs> judge me as you will. But my right. husband came shortly after and I'm living like really literally no exaggeration, like are living happily ever after. And what I understood at the time, and even more so in retrospect, because that's always the, the beautiful lens to look through, was when I shifted from why can't I meet a, you know, fill in the blank, why is every guy a fill in the blank and focused on what I wanted without even realizing creating this beautiful home, having a love affair with this animal, this unconditional love. I bought a house for my dog, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, right. but not even realizing that just following my heart and doing what, and then all of a sudden everything I wanted, it came in layers because I had a little sordid situation, you know, with the children and the birth father before I met my husband, like, I'm not going to leave that out. I mean, I am going to leave it out, but I'm not going to pretend like that didn't exist. But right. eventually, step by step by step, I wound up where I wanted just by shifting my attention to what I wanted in the in the present. And thoughts are very, very powerful. Yeah. And we, we if we think bad things, we get bad things. If we think 
uh, good things, we get good things. If we think in between, we get in between. But one thing when you talk about the law of attraction that I like to tell people to also do is that it's almost like a repeatable process. Once your subconscious mind really understands that this is something that you want to make a change, then it'll go along with it. But it must be believable. But here's another step, Dana, that people that they either don't know or they forget to do. We are free will uh, beings. We got that from source, from God. And whenever we need help from our spirit guides, from, oh, from source himself, <laughs> you have to give permission to intervene in my life because we are free will beings. So giving permission for spirit guide, for your guardian angel, for whomever to intervene in your life, some people have to remember that as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think about all these these um, cliches, especially stuff that comes from the Bible. Yes. And, you know, you always hear, God helps those who help themselves, right? And yeah. I don't consider myself, you know, a religious person just because of the, I just don't. Right. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. But the reality is, call it what you want, call it aspects of your own soul, call it energy, call it your spirit guides, call it God. I don't care, call it the angels. I don't care what you call it. The reality is until you make an attempt to help yourself, and that goes with the take, take action, until you're doing things to help yourself, you're not necessarily gonna get the assistance that you're looking for. And you also, like you said, you have to give permission, you have to ask. It comes cryptically, it comes symbolically. You have to really be in tune with yourself and recognize that the power is always within you. Nobody's helping you. You're just getting assistance to do what, I keep doing this because you have to be aligned. This is my alignment gesture. I'll be doing that a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you have to stand up. You have to show up for yourself. The moment you show up for yourself, all sorts of stuff shows up for you. You just talked about encrypted messages and that just yeah. totally made me smile because as a professional associate remote viewer, I've been doing that for a number of years. The only way I was able to discern uh, from different pieces of information I was getting was to know the difference between my conscious mind and my subconscious mind. So when you say the messages come in encrypted, they actually really do. Yeah. But using meditation, yeah. using any kind of modality that even hypnosis that can move you into the theta state and move you into an area of your thought process where there's just total peace and quiet. There, you can decipher between the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the messages. You can't do it overnight, Dana, but if people would learn to calm themselves and meditate for a period of time, you can absolutely discern these messages that, that you get that start off being encrypted. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to comment on the whole meditation thing because I'm very much, you know, mover and shaker. And I had to nearly be like held down to start meditating. Like, Danny, you need to meditate. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to that. It's on my list, right? You need to meditate. You need to meditate. But what I didn't realize was I was intimidated by the idea of meditation because for those of us who aren't you know, really in the, the, the yoga, the real, real full on spiritual community, because I kind of like have a foot in both worlds. I, it's intimidating. You're like, I can't clear my mind. And how do I sit still? And what is this own thing? And what do I do with my hands? And there's all of that. 
But the reality is meditation, it's not about clearing out everything in the mind. It's just about having moments of peace where you're not, again, looking outward. I realized in retrospect, I used to run every morning. There's a form of meditation there. I used, you know, when I cook. And hypnosis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to talk to you about the hypnosis in a second because I saw yeah, I, I know your credentials as well, and I want to talk about that. Look at me taking over. But uh but just anything Well just that, interview me, man. Come on, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> but anything that you're doing that keeps you in the moment and keeps you focused on the now is a form of meditation. So I finally graduated from the painting as meditation, the gardening as meditation, the running as meditation, and then finally I got you know, I, I look up at, I call them the them, but really it's aspects mm -hmm. of me. It was like, you need to just go sit outside in nature. And so it's like, all right, nobody's telling me to meditate. Nobody's telling me to do OM. Nobody's telling me to, you know, force thoughts out of my mind. So I just sat outside and stared at the trees for 10 minutes. Sometimes I close my eyes. Sometimes I open my eyes. And wherever the thoughts came, I just kind of let them come and go. And then it turned into 20 minutes. Then it turned into closing my eyes. Then it turned into meditation. So that, that fear, that intimidation that a lot of people have, a lot of people have, it's just about being still and undistracted for 10 plus minutes of your life. That's all it is. And on a more pointed note, pointed focus, you, you speak about a lot of different things, uh, about breaking the cycles of abuse and you know neglect um, for your children. You, you want to talk about that a little bit? I always knew growing mm -hmm. up that I was going to make a, a concerted effort to break the cycle. Like I understood yes. that I came from, a, you know, a bit of, a, you know, their traumas, many of us, especially around this age, like there's traumas all around. And I knew that no matter what, I was going to break that cycle. I was going to, my children were going to be seen, they were going to be heard, they were going to be loved, they weren't going to feel like burdens, all of that stuff. They weren't going to be physically abused, neglected, any of that. And when I had both my children within, you know, 16 months of each other out of wedlock, and I don't want to get too much into, I say their birth father because my husband has since adopted them, mm -hmm. but I don't want to get too much into his story because it's not mine to tell, but let's just yeah. say I, I was 37. I got pregnant. I knew he was a flight risk from the word go. He was about yeah. 10 years younger than me. It was like, it was like one of those weekends gone long right. and here we are two children later, but the children part were very intentional anyway. Um, I, even though it didn't look like I was breaking the cycle, because now I have these two children with this man that is now going to create abandonment issues as far as the yeah. way it's looking. And even though it, a lot, it took me a long time to get there. Let's just say it wasn't A to B. And that's the point that I'm trying to make to people. It was A, B, C, F, Q, circle <laughs> around. But I, easy. <laughs> no, but I always knew my children will feel love. They will feel safe. They will feel all of these things. And like I said, when they were very, very young, again, the, who, what I suspected to be a flight risk was a flight risk in the birth father. My husband stepped in. My kids were like two and three years old and adopted them by the time that they were five. And now they live safe and loved and and all of the things that i wanted for them so so you ask how i did it yeah. i just did it with always knowing that this is what i was doing even when i was going through the legal aspects of their birth father 
um, signing them over. My lawyer, everybody around me was like, he'll never do it. He'll never do it. And I was like, you know, mother knows. I was like, you don't understand. I know all of the players in this scenario. I know how this is going to pan out because I won't have it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> my, you know, my children will be safe and loved, period. And, and, and we talk about the, uh, the cycles um, of abuse. Um, and, you know, there's something out there called epigenetic transfer where, you know, we eat meat that has been slaughtered mm -hmm. um, and the pain and the hurt that the animal felt, that, that's st that is still in their gene expression. So when we mm -hmm. consume it, it meshes in with our cells and we know cells hold memory. Yep. And, yep. and how do you break this? uh this lifelong um you know uh transferring of all this stuff and i applaud you for just taking a stance and setting your intentions you know um you speak about also just being um you know just being in the moment when you decided to make um you know your career i mean to leave your career and go for your passion and matter what and as a matter of fact you left a six-figure career to pursue your passion what what was the catalyst? What what made you just leave that? And I understand because I did too. I was in nice. a, I mean, real comfortable position, but it just didn't resonate with me anymore. Yeah, and that's not like what I was saying before. Like sometimes things get to a point that you, you no longer resonate and you have to make a choice. Many of us choose to stay as the dissonance grows and grows and grows because fear, because it's the devil, you know, you know what I mean? That's why people stay in, in unhealthy relationships because they know that as opposed to, you know, with what they could get into. Yes. For, for me, there was a little bit of self-sabotage. Like I was in, I was in again, education for uh, 25 years, but the last 16, I was in the same school. So I spent, I grew up there. I started there at 30 and I did, you know, my, the rest of my adult life there, or at least until I left. And I loved it. I loved the people there. I loved my job. I loved everything about it. But the one thing that um, it was a pattern of mine was everything I did. I was championing the cause of the children. I was fighting for the children. It was always overcoming. It was always fighting yeah. the battles fight, fighting with the administration, fighting with the parents, fighting with everybody to get, to get the children's needs met. But essentially it was to get, you know, little Dana's needs met. Like there was like some patterns there. And right. when I, so I was there from like 30 and then to, you know, for like a decade. And then I got pregnant. I started having children and then my perspective started to change my, yes. um, what was important to me. I didn't want to stay late nights and be the hero. And you know what I mean? I didn't want to like do all the, I wanted to be home with my children. Then I got RA, I got rheumatoid arthritis. So physically the stress was shutting me down. Then I met my husband, actually I met my husband. Then I got rheumatoid arthritis, but it was all like this perfect storm. Oh, you got, or you were receiving messages from your colleagues in the spiritual realm. Uh, typically when we get the message is already manifested in some sort of, some sort of, uh, disease or some yeah. sort of ailment. And by the time they've made it into an ailment or disease, we know that that's the only thing that to get our attention in the physical realm. So obviously they've been trying to give you messages. Dana, oh, of, listening. Course. of course, 
course, of course. There's so much to unpack here. The first part yes. is that's what I was aligned with when I started that job. And as I became more emotionally healthy, fighting for everything I wanted, I was no longer in alignment with. So yes. then my guides, my soul, my whatever, is throwing all these things at me. And one of the things, how am I allowed to be salty at all? Like what kind of language? <laughs> you can be language? whatever you need to be to get the message across to the to the audience. Okay. So, uh, uh, all right. So, Get ready. Okay. So in 10 recommandments. 10 and that's what I was, I was going to ask you that name. Let me pull it up because you, you right. beat me to it. Like what is 10 recommandments? Okay, okay go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so 10 recommandments. It's it's like a, it's a marriage between like the teachery part of me, like the how to uh -huh. and the anecdotal part, like the storytelling. So basically I use the stories of my life experience and I use them to as examples for these 10 recommandments, these 10 points, these 10 lessons, which I'll, I'll, I'll bring up in a second. But what I have learned to your point, Jason, what I have learned is when messages are coming to us, they usually come like with a tickle of a feather. Like, hey, mm -hmm. maybe we should do this now. Or then there's like the tap on the shoulder. And then it turns into a smack on the side of the head. And then it turns into a punch in the arm. And then the universe winds up. And this is quoted in the book. Gives you a good old-fashioned twat punch to ensure that you know that it's time to make a change. Yes. So for me... For me, I was fighting, doing my thing. And then I had my children and I was getting the, the ick. Like, oh, I don't really love this job as much as I used to. And oh, I'm annoyed when I have to go in when I know my children are homesick, you know, and it turned into that. And then I was starting to have like, I was annoyed with every situation because again, I was fighting for the underdog. So I was, and then a new head of school came in the previous head of school. I was this golden child. I could do and say whatever I wanted. And I was a hero. The new guy came in. We had completely opposing philosophies. Then I get RA. So the stress is shutting my body down. And then um, I started painting. And so finally the painting is what pushed me over the edge. Like that's when I was like, I didn't see all those signs. I didn't see all the, you know, what punches I just, I just knew when I started painting, there was nothing else I could do with my life. I could no longer do that when I knew I could do this. So, Dana, what is uh, Vita Finds Her Crown all about? Ah, so, so Vita Finds Her Crown is, um, it's about, it's, it was intended to be a children's story. Mm-hmm. But it's not because it's like, you know, when you go to a Disney movie, like with a kid and like you're there for the kid, but yet, you know, all the songs and like you get the messages and right. like you love it. So it's like that. So I, I it's for anybody between the ages of eight and 88. And it's a, it's a twofold. It's a little story about Veda, who is the third eye chakra. Okay. Right. Yes. And how she loses her crown, the crown chakra, and she goes on this little excursion to find her crown. And in doing so, she, it's like very Wizard of Oz. She meets up with Pravda, who's the throat chakra, and Amo, who's the heart chakra, and so on and so forth. And you get to see through the characterization of these little people, you get to see what an, a misaligned chakra looks like. So obviously the characters, they're paired up with the color of the chakra. And then at the end, Veda finds a crown and you learn a lot about the chakra through the story. The second half of the book is a workbook because the thing about chakras or your energy centers, you know, again, it's very intimidating, like the, like the meditation, you know what I mean? People who don't understand what it, 
you know, really is just about stillness. With chakras, people don't understand. It's just part of our energy centers and it's a part of our, um, you can liken it to Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the stages of development. Just as an example, your root chakra, the, the greatest age of resonance is between zero and seven years old. So if you have uh, a, something, a trauma that happened or anything that happened that created an imbalance, you carry that through your whole life and your other chakra development builds on it and you don't even know. So the workbook is all open-ended questions. It's not about crystals and it's not about, you know, I would say like dancing in the moonlight, you know, with a full moon ritual. It's truly about understanding what caused these imbalances, reconciling these imbalances, and then realigning your chakras. So you have the workbook and you have the book. And I actually teach workshops on all of my books on finduniquelyyou.com for people who, who are open to creating a better life for themselves and need a little bit of guidance. So you buy my book like a textbook. I teach the workshop and, um, and everybody's happy and well. I love talking about chakras. Uh, when the meridians and when those energy wheels don't turn, they don't spin because chakras and our meridians are energy wheels uh, in different parts in our body. Mm -hmm. And the fact that when you have blockage or when you have a, a chakra that's out of alignment, energy in your body is out of alignment. Where, what do you have? Mood swings. You're feeling bad. Uh, things are not going your way. And I love working with the Reiki masters because they can use the pendulum. And they can pinpoint which one of those meridians is not turning the yeah. energy wheels in the chakra. And when they can find it, and that's when they use their hands to move the energy through their bodies to make the energy wheel turn again uh, within that chakra. So it's always fascinating to see things like this. And for kids, for you to have something for an for a, a age group, that's awesome. I, I really, I really, really love that. It's all about the kids. It's all about because we we have to reconcile our imbalances from, you know, years of, you know, getting banged around. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like through life experiences. But these kids are coming up. My kids are 12 and 13 years old. They're coming out of the gate knowing this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I always joked when I was younger, like, oh, my God, if I wasn't raised by wolves, I'd be sitting in the Oval Office right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But the reality is they're not digging themselves. These kids aren't digging themselves out of the hole, out of a hole. If we could teach them now how to reconcile their imbalances. So you're talking about the energy of it. You're talking about, you know, obviously the, the chakra, the, the wheel of energy. There are ways through Reiki masters to reconcile the imbalance there. But these imbalances, it's, it's mental, it's emotional also. So just as an example, like if I, my sacral chakra, Okay, the mm -hmm. age of residence is like eight to like 14. When I was 12, my parents got divorced. When I was 14, I ran away from home. <laughs> I, you know, all of that went down and it wasn't reconciled. So now I go into the development of the solar plexus, which is about my confidence and my identity, right? Mm -hmm. And that's 14 to 21, but I haven't fixed, my foundation is faulty. So my confidence level and my sense of identity just, just, to, just to give you a specific, as I, I'm talking in too many generalities, if I am 14 years old and I believe that I can't trust the adults in my life and that uh, the people who are supposed to love me don't properly love me or I don't know what that love looks like, and that's my belief system, when I go into my identity or into the years of the solar plexus from 14 to 21, and that's my belief system, all of my behaviors and patterns are going to be built around that belief system. 
So if we have, if we teach or that software, what's that? I said, or that software belief system software. That's all we are. Our subconscious mind. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't picking up what you're, but yeah, but totally, totally. It's like there's viruses and stuff. Yes. When we reconcile, like when we teach an eight-year-old to ask themselves the question, how am I feeling? Do I feel good about my body? Do I like to go outside and play? Do I do new things and, and, and have positive relationships with the people around me? If why, if not, well, why? And when we teach them to ask themselves these questions and then to, to reconcile the imbalance, Oh my God. Then the next chakra development, you know, they get a little bit older, it builds on that and it builds on that. And then we have healthy, thriving adults who aren't fighting with each other on social media. It's a beautiful world. Dana Sardano, <laughs> intuitive Ubuntu art gallery. What is Ubuntu and how did it change your life? Oh, oh my God. You, you're asking all the best questions. So, Thank you. <laughs> so I'll tell you, Ubuntu um, is an African word, and the direct translation is I am because we are. I've read in places I am because you are. I prefer I am because we are. Do you, can I share with you how I stumbled across the, the term? Absolutely. So so my kids were young. Maybe they were like one and two. Um, so we're going back about 10 years before I was even painting. I stumbled across a story, probably on social media, about an anthropologist who was studying a tribe in Africa. And when he was waiting for his transportation to pick him up to come back to the States, he was hanging out with some kids of the village. So he was like, you know what, guys, to pass the time, let's play a little game. So he had some candy that he had bought in the, in the city. He goes, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put this candy right by the tree. And I want you guys to line up. And on the count of three, you guys are going to race. And whoever gets to the candy first wins. So the kids are like, yeah, they get all excited. They line up, right? So he's like, one, two, three. And on three, they all link arms and they all run to the tree together. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, the anthropologist is like dumbfounded. So he goes over to the tree and all the kids are like, yay, and they're eating and they're sharing whatever. And he goes to one of these girls and he's like, why would, why would you do that? It's like, if you could have the candy yourself, what essentially, why would you share? And she looks at him and she says, Ubuntu, I am because we are. I can't be happy unless we're all happy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this is beautiful. And I had these little kids and I was like, everything in my life, I changed everything. My kids will be raised under the concept of the Ubuntu, my, my business relationships. I forged my friendships, my relationship with my husband. Everything is about this concept of, yes, the the self is important. My needs matter. But if I have to step on somebody else's needs for my needs to matter, then there's, what's the point? Absolutely. And so so when I started painting, it had to be Ubuntu art. It brought me joy to create it. If it brings you joy to look at it, Ubuntu. And everything else has been Ubuntu ever since. We're we're running out of time, but but there are so many different... um, books you've written on there's so many different topics that that um that we could talk about i want you to come back because the audience wants you to come back i know they do um but can you leave us with uh something uh tips uh anything that um has helped you or can help others and tell people how to find you and what you can do to help them 
Okay. So, so firstly, to f the best place to find me, because I'm all over the place, because like I said, I have a lot of irons in the fire, is Ubuntu Fish Gallery. Okay. There, you can find, you know, you can find the books. You can find books that I've published, because they're all that similar sort of, hey, let's make the world a better place genre. I don't know if they're calling it that yet, but that's what I want to call it. But uh, you could find the Phenom Publishing there. You could find the where I do the workshops on finduniquelyu.com. You can find the services and the and the private groups that I do in the gallery. It's all there. But the pearl, the pearl of wisdom or the pearls that I want to share is in 10 recommandments for personal empowerment. There are 10. There are 10 recommandments. And they all start with like, I shall not, whatever it is, and then rather I shall. And I think the most important are the first recommandment and the 10th. The first recommandment is I shall not claim victimhood. Hmm. And then it goes into, you know, rather I shall, you know, take responsibility and all these things. But that's really, really important. When we hear the word victim, we, we tend to think of like what, like the stereotypical victim. But if we feel like we're losing in any situation, like we're getting the short end of the stick in any situation, then we have fallen into, fallen into victimization. And the reality is we have control over all of our circumstances. We just have to be able to look at them in an unbiased way, look at them as information, and then go from there. So that is the first. The last is um, I shall not live in fear. And then rather I shall understand the fear and love. And, and if we recognize that fear is on one end of the spectrum with all of the yucky emotions that don't feel good and love is on the other with all the peace and freedom and joy and contentment. And we do our best to have experiences or to create experiences that fall there. Then, and when we do feel icky to recognize that it really just comes from fear. I mean, we're halfway there. So. Amazing. Um, Dana Sardano, ladies and gentlemen, how she dropped her nine to fiver and now lives a successful life as a creative entrepreneur. We're going to hear from her again. Dana, I'm going to move you to the back office. Do not go anywhere. I want to talk to you for a few more moments and I'm going to close this thing out. Jason, thank you. No Bye, problem. everybody. <laughs> Stay there. Successful, successful, successful and creative. We're talking about a, uh, a woman who uh, spent several years as an educator, but followed her intuition, follow, followed um, um, steps that led her to create Ubuntu, you know, a, a lovely, lovely creative gallery uh, where she sells books, uh, paintings, and even let Dana tell it, uh, where the intuitives hang out. <laughs> but again, um, we want to thank Dana um, uh, Sardano for coming uh, and sharing her beautiful story with us. And you guys reach out to a, a, a www.ubutufishgallery.com, www.ubutufishgallery.com. And you know how to find us. Go to YouTube and watch us live um, at Expansion of Consciousness. Subscribe and click like. Um, that's the only thing that keeps our channel going. But until next time, we really appreciate you. We glad, we're glad that you continue to uh, listen to our topics and listen to the, the wonderful and insightful people that come on 
And remember, it's about consciousness and how consciousness intertwines in your everyday life and how we're able to use different aspects of consciousness and the modalities that are, that are afforded to us to improve our lives. That's right. And that's why you have to enlist a person like uh, Dana to move you into the same vibration of leaving your nine to five and creating a successful life as an entrepreneur. Thank you very much. And we'll see you the next time.